जय राधा माधवा कुंजबी हारी गोपी जन्ना गोपी जन्ना यशोदा नंदन गोपी जन्नाशोदा नंदन गोपी जन्नामुना चीरा बनचारी यमुना चीरा जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी गोपी जनाब गिरी बरधारी यशोदानंदन गोपी जना रंजना यमुना चीरनछारी नमा विष्णुपदा विष्णप्रेषा उचले श्रीमथे भक्ति वेदांदा स्वामी नामने नमस्ते सारस्वतवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषा शून्यवादी पश्चात्यशिणे जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निचानंद जय द्वैत गदाधार श्रीवासादी गो भक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे जाओ विष्णुपाद परमहंस परिवराज कचार्योत्र सत्य श्री श्रीमान इस डिवाइन ग्रेस ए श्री भक्त वेदांत स्वामी चिल प्रभुपाद की जाए 
अनंत कोटि वैष्णव वृंद की जाए नामाचार्य हरिदास ठाकुर की जाए प्रेम से कहो श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधार श्रीवासारी गौर भक्त वृंद की जाए श्री श्री राधा कृष्ण गोप गोपीनाथ श्याम कुंद राधा कुंद गिरी गोवृदान की जाए वृंदावन धाम की जाए नवद्वीप धाम की जाए भक्ति देवी की जाए तुलसी महारानी की जाए यमुना देवी की जाए गंगा देवी की जाए समवेता भक्त वृंद की जाए गौर प्रेम नंदे All glories to the Cologne devotees. All glories to the Cologne devotees. All glories to the Cologne devotees. All glories to Sri Sri Guru and Guranga. Trinada pi sunichena, taradiva sahishnuna, amani na manadena, kirtaniya sadahari, harenam, harenam. So, we have studied chapter 1. The observing the armies on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. We saw how Arjuna does not want to fight the war, giving so many moral, social objections. But we learned last session the turning point of Bhagavad Gita. Shishyaste ham shadimang twang prapanam. Where Arjuna says to Krishna, I'm confused. I don't know what I should do. I want us to stop our friendly talks as friends. I want you to act as my spiritual master. I want you to tell me definitively what I should do at this crucial moment because the war is going to start. This is a crucial time. So Arjuna has enough good sense to surrender to Krishna and accept Krishna as his spiritual master. Similarly, we also should accept Krishna as our original spiritual master and always turn to Bhagavad Gita whenever there is doubt, confusion, worry, fear, Whenever there's any problem, Bhagavad Gita is your friend. And we learned in 20 verses in our last session, Sankhya, the difference between matter and spirit, the difference between the body, mind and soul. We learned the difference between matter and spirit. We are going to study two sections today. The first one, we're still in chapter 2 because it is the second longest chapter, only exceeded by the final chapter, 78. This second chapter 
is entitled Contents of the Gita Summarized. So it's a good chapter to study if you want to know what is the summation. So in verses 31 through 38, the subject matter is Kshatriya Dharma. In Vedic culture, everyone has Dharma. Dharma meaning, what is my responsibility? What are my duties? There are duties for men, duties for women, duty for husband, duty for wife, duty for children even. Everyone has duties in the Vedic culture. So the Kshatriyas, the administrators, the warriors, they also have Dharma, codes that they are supposed to live by. So let's pick up. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna said to Arjuna, Considering your specific duty as a Kshatriya, you should know that there is no better engagement for you than fighting on religious principles. And so there is no need for hesitation. That's the key part. Fighting on religious principles. There are two kinds of fighting. One is aggressive, selfish, demoniac. And the other is fighting on religious principles. So Krishna is pointing out to Arjuna, Your cause is just. What the Kauravas have done to you throughout your whole life, now it is the time to act. And as I mentioned before, the final act that really uh, convinced, yes, this war must be done, was the disrobing of Draupadi in the assembly. That act was the last straw. Krishna earlier during the just before Krishna went to Hastinapur with a peace proposal Krishna reminded the Pandavas because they were a little reluctant and Krishna reminded them no you have to avenge what they did to Draupadi that cannot go unchecked then of course Krishna went to Hastinapur with a peace proposal. What was his peace proposal? I think you should give the Pandavas their share. And of course the Kauravas did not like it. And Duryodhan tried to capture and kidnap Krishna. But Krishna assumed a universal form. And for the only time in Dhritarashtra's life, he had eyes to see. That's the only thing Dhritarashtra saw in his life. Krishna's universal form, which he showed at that time. So, fighting on religious principles, that is what Krishna is telling Arjuna. Yes, you're fighting on religious principles. Not selfish aggrandizement, simply material gain. No, religious principles. O Partha, happy are the Kshatriyas to whom such fighting opportunities come unsought, opening for them the doors of the heavenly planets. 
because the system is if a Kshatriya fights on religious principles and dies in the fighting, he goes to heaven. If the Kshatriya wins, he gets rulership of the kingdom. So it's a win-win situation. This is Krishna's way of trying to convince Arjuna. Either way, you will win. You will fight, you will gain the kingdom, or else you will go to heaven and enjoy nicely for thousands and thousands of years. So it's a win-win situation. If, however, you do not perform your religious duty of fighting, again, religious duty, then you will certainly incur sins for neglecting your duties and thus lose your reputation as a fighter. Arjuna was thinking in chapter 1 that by fighting the battle, by fighting and killing all of his superiors, Bhishma, Drona, Arjuna was thinking that was sin. But Krishna is saying, no, not fighting is sin. So, what does this teach us? We may think I'm doing the right thing, but we should know what is right and wrong by what Krishna says. When we get to chapter 16, at the end of chapter 16, Krishna will point out, one should know what is duty and what is not duty by the scriptures. That's how we determine. Not by how I think or how I feel or what is politically correct. And No. We have to go by the scriptures. And the best scripture is Bhagavad Gita. It's for everybody. Bhagavad Gita is not just for Hindus. Bhagavad Gita is for everybody. Otherwise, why am I studying Bhagavad Gita? No. Bhagavad Gita is for everybody. Now, it says here, you will lose your reputation. Yes, for a Kshatriya, reputation is everything. The Kshatriya doesn't want anything that will detract from their name and fame as a Kshatriya. In the history of the Vedic culture, so many exalted kings are mentioned in the Bhagavatam, in the Puranas. And they're famous for their uh, religious duties, by their pious acts. So the good reputation of Akshatri is everything. People will always speak of your infamy. And for a respectable person, dishonor is worse than death. Same thing. Your name, your good name is everything. The great generals who have highly esteemed your name and fame will think that you have left the battlefield out of fear only. And thus they will consider you insignificant. Because Akshatriya cannot refuse a fight. If Akshatriya is challenged, he has to fight. Otherwise, if he backs away from the fight, then he's considered less, less. He's considered insignificant. The mark of Akshatriya, he's challenged, he must fight. 
Your enemies will describe you in many unkind words and scorn your ability. So what could be more painful for you? Again, Arjuna was thinking in chapter 1 that by fighting, that will be his means by not fighting. By not fighting, he will be happy. He will be doing the religious thing. But Krishna is pointing out here, no, everything you were saying in chapter 1 was totally wrong. It's just the opposite. O son of Kunti, either you will be killed on the battlefield and attain the heavenly planets, or you will conquer and enjoy the earthly kingdom. So there it is, right there. The win-win proposition. He loses neither way. He wins either way. Therefore, get up with determination and fight. And this we will see throughout Bhagavad Gita. Every so often Krishna will speak and then he will say, Therefore, when that word therefore is used, conclusion. So many things have been stated, but there must be a conclusion. So Krishna's conclusion is get up, fight. Because we saw at chapter 1, Arjuna sat down on the chariot, dropped his bow, O Govinda, I shall not fight. If you're going to fight, you have to stand on your chariot with your weapons, not sit down. So Krishna wants him to get up and fight. Do thy fight for the sake of fighting without considering happiness and distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat. And by so doing, you shall never incur sin. So, whether you are a Brahmin, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, whatever your situation, if you do your religious duty, you will never incur sin. So this is applicable for all of us. Every one of us has some obligations. We should do it without considering happiness and distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat. We must always do the right thing. That is what Bhagavad Gita teaches us. Do the right thing. So now we come to the next section. Verses 39 through 53. Which I entitled Buddhi Yoga. Buddhi means intelligence. We will learn in chapter 3. That the body is made of senses. But higher than the senses is the mind. Look where I'm pointing. I didn't say the mind. According to Bhagavad Gita, the mind is here in the heart. The brain is another thing, like a computer screen. But the actual mind is in the heart. But higher than the mind is intelligence. Because what does the mind do? The mind simply accepts and rejects. I like this, I don't like this. Yes, no. Mind is constantly accepting and rejecting. But the intelligence, that's a more subtle feature of the subtle body. In other words, the subtle body, mind, intelligence, false ego. That's the subtle body. 
covering the spirit soul in the heart. It's actually one unit which is understood by its different functions. So what does the mind do? Accept, reject. What does the intelligence do? It considers. It determines. There are different features of intelligence. You can read about that in the third canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Let's see if I can remember them. Lord Kapila Dev is instructing his mother on the 24 material elements. That Lord Kapila philosophy is the complete explanation of Sankhya Yoga. So the intelligence has different features. One of them is correct apprehension and the other is misapprehension. Another one is memory. We will learn from Bhagavad Gita where memory comes from. Comes from Krishna in the heart. Another function of intelligence is doubt. So yes, you could say in the beginning, Arjuna was being intelligent because he had doubts. Somebody who has no intelligence just accepts everything he's told. That's not a sign of intelligence. We should have doubts whether this thing is bona fide or valid or not. And then surprisingly, another feature of intelligence is sleep. Yes, that's surprising. So you need proper sleep in order for the intelligence to work properly. So get proper rest. All right. So buddhi means intelligence. Let's see how Krishna explains this concept. Thus far, I have described this knowledge to you through analytical study. So that's Sankhya, analytical study. Now listen as I explain it in terms of working without fruitive results. O son of Pritta, when you act in such knowledge, you can free yourself from the bondage of works. So people are working in the material world. And depending on the choices they make, they're either being uh, enjoying or they're being punished or suffering. We are making so many decisions throughout the day, day after day after day. If we make the right decision, then we live nicely. But if we make the wrong decision, then you're going to suffer. You're not going to be happy. So, this is a cycle, an endless cycle. But here Krishna says that if you work without fruitive results, you can free yourself from the bondage of works. Meaning, this will be explained throughout Bhagavad Gita. As long as I'm acting on the material platform, if I do pious good activities, I will enjoy, but I still will take birth in the material world. And the goal is not to remain in the material world. The goal is liberation. Get out of this material world. That's the goal. To go back to Godhead, the kingdom of God. Not to come back again. 
Just like right now, we're going through this coronavirus. Alright, you want to come back again as a human being and go through the next virus? Because there's another one coming. So an intelligent person realizes, I don't want to take birth again and again in this material world. I want to free myself from the bondage of works. To do that, buddhi yoga. Now comes a very nice verse of Bhagavad Gita. In this endeavor, there is no loss or diminution. And a little advancement on this path can protect one from the most dangerous type of fear. Prabhupada explains, what is the most dangerous type of fear? Taking birth again lower than a human being. Being caught up in the cycle. No, at least, at least I want to come back as a human being. Because as a human being, I can finish up. But if I had to take birth as a dog, an insect, a reptile, bird, I have to take so many births just to come back as a human being. The dog cannot do anything to improve its situation. It lives its life as a dog, and then there's a next higher life. Eventually, the living entity takes birth as a human. Now, as a human, you can finish up your business. But if I go down deep into the lower species... No, that's that's the fear. Bharat Maharaj, because of inattentive, he took birth as a deer for one birth. But Krishna blessed him that in that birth as a deer, he knew, oh, I was this close to perfection. This close, that it was true. Bharat was this close. But because he became attached to a deer, then he became a deer in his next life. So he left one life as a deer. Then the next life he took birth as the Brahmin Jadabharat and achieved perfection after that. So in this Buddhi Yoga or Krishna consciousness because Prabhupada uses Buddhi Yoga, Bhakti Yoga and Karma Yoga interchangeably. He does that in Bhagavad Gita. So we could say, we could rephrase this. In this endeavor of Krishna consciousness, there is no loss or diminution and a little advancement. So, you are attending this Bhagavad Gita seminar. Very, very good. You are guaranteeing Worst case scenario, you'll come back as worst case. But if you stick with the program and attend every class, you have every possibility of achieving liberation, moksha, going back to Godhead. You have every chance. Prabhupada is giving everyone that chance. Prabhupada started his ISKCON movement, why? He said, I want to take as many people with me 
back to Godhead. Yesterday we were celebrating Prabhupada's Vyas Puja. And so one of the things we always remember is that Prabhupada created this ISKCON movement just so that people will have an easily accessible program how to go back to the kingdom of God. Actually, there's only one thing required. What is that? You have to want it. I will tell you an interesting story. Many, many, many years ago when my my grandson is now 25, but when he was 7, 8 years old, his teacher, through my daughter, invited me to speak to their 5th grade class. So I spoke, this is a public school, so I spoke basic concepts of Bhagavad Gita, reincarnation, you're not the body. And so at one point in my talk with the fifth graders, I said, okay kids, right outside the classroom is a rocket ship. And all you have to do is go on that rocket ship and you can go to the kingdom of God. So then I asked the kids, how many want to go in that rocket ship and go to the kingdom of God? Only three or four children raised their hands. So I asked them, you don't want to go to the kingdom of God, then what do you want to do? And you know what they said? We want to play video games. That's called Maya. I think my grandson raised his hand and said, yes, I want to go to the kingdom of God. But I was shocked. People would rather come back and play video games then go to the kingdom of God. Let's continue. Those who are on this path are resolute in purpose and their aim is one. Yes. As I just said, the only thing required to go back to Godhead is that you want it and you want it more than anything else. That's what's required. You have to want it more than anything else. O beloved child of the Kurus, the intelligence of those who are irresolute is many branched. So the devotee or the person practicing buddhi yoga has one pointed attention. I must do whatever it takes to go back to Godhead. And those who are not, they have so many interests in life. So many things they want to do. There's this thing called the bucket list. When somebody gets old, then they say, well, before I die, I want to go here. I want to do this. I want to go here. I want to do It's called a bucket list. But a devotee has no bucket list. Devotee has only one thing in mind. How to go back to Krishna. Next verse. Men of small knowledge are very much attached to the flowery words of the Vedas, which recommend various fruitive activities for elevation to heavenly planets, resultant good birth, power, and so forth. Being desirous of sense gratification and opulent life, that they say there is nothing more than this. So this is called 
materialistic religion. Materialistic religion means, yes, I will follow a certain God, I will follow a certain process or religion, but I'm doing so because I just want to enjoy in this material world. That's called materialistic religion. And in the Srimad Bhagavatam, this is stated right at the beginning. This kind of religion is called cheating, materialistic religion. Because it's not the real fruit of religion. The real fruit of religion is love of God. That's the real fruit. Notice Krishna says, men of small knowledge. Because they have no appreciation for these higher concepts of spiritual life. They're simply interested in enjoying this material world. In the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence and who are bewildered by such things, the resolute determination for devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. So this is a very strong statement by Krishna. That if I really want liberation and go back to Godhead, then I have to minimize my sense enjoyment, minimize my material opulence, and spend my time actually pursuing the spiritual goal. Just like Prabhupada used to tell us, simple living high thinking. That high thinking has to do with thinking about God, spiritual life, achieving the kingdom of God. Simple living, eat nice prashad, simple, nice prashad, and live a good, honest, pure life, and spend your, your main time pursuing this objective of going back to Godhead. Otherwise, if I'm too attached to sense enjoyment and increasing, increasing, increasing my materialistic life, I'm not going to have the determination because it requires great determination. You all know these super, super athletes, whatever the sport may be, soccer, basketball, right? In order to achieve their goal, they have to follow the same thing in Bhagavad Gita. One-pointed attention. And they can't be splayed out. They have to be so determined and fired up. So what to speak of achieving the kingdom of God requires great determination. The Vedas deal mainly with the subject of the three modes of material nature. O Arjuna, you should become transcendental to these three modes. Be free from all dualities and for all anxieties for gain and safety and be established in the self. So yes, later on in chapter 14, Arjuna will say, how does one transcend the modes of nature? Because to go to the kingdom of God, you have to transcend goodness, 
passion and ignorance, the modes. And Krishna will tell Arjuna, the only way to transcend these modes is to be 24-7 engaged in buddhi, buddhi yoga, karma yoga, bhakti yoga. Because I said, Prabhupada uses those terms interchangeably. In other words, you have to be 100% engaged in Krishna consciousness. Now, he says, be established in the self. We should have learned in last class, what is the self? It's not this body. It's not the mind. It is the soul. We learned in 20 verses, the difference between the self and the non-self. So we should be established in that condition. In the Vedas, they have this expression. Aham Brahmasmi. I am spirit. Which is exactly what that first section of Bhagavad Gita taught. What we learned last week. Aham Brahmasmi. I'm not this body. I am spirit soul. Part and parcel of Krishna. That should be my identification. That I should be established. All purposes served by a small well can at once be served by a great reservoir of water. Similarly, all the purposes of the Vedas can be served to one who knows the purpose behind them. So first, Krishna said, Arjuna, the Vedas are mostly dealing with the material world, the three modes of nature. But we learn from Lord Chaitanya that actually the Vedas are only teaching three things actually. Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana. Number one, what is your relationship with God? That is what real religion, spirituality should be. Discovering what is your relationship with God. And you, every one of you, has a unique, individual relationship with God. Uniquely. And that makes me very enthusiastic. Because I can't wait till I discover what is my eternal relationship with Krishna. So that's the first thing the Vedas are actually teaching. That you have an eternal relationship with God and that you should go for that. The second thing, Abhideya. Now that you have been become convinced that you should uh, execute your eternal relationship with God, then you should act accordingly. And those actions are called bhakti, devotional service. You're doing it right now. Hearing. You're hearing this message of Gita. You have begun bhakti yoga. You have begun it. Now go on more and more. And then the third thing the Vedas are teaching according to Lord Chaitanya. Prayojana. Love of God. Yes, Jitu, love of God. And we have to develop it more and more and more and more till we 
understand what is my intimate relationship with God. Yes, you have that. A personal. Right now we have appreciation of God. That's beginning stage. But to find out how I relate to God eternally, that's a whole different thing. That's prayojana. How will I eternally relate to God individually? So that is the purpose of the Vedas. Sambandha Abhideya Prayojana. You have a right to perform your prescribed duty, but you are not entitled to the fruits of action. Never consider yourself to be the cause of the results of your activities. And never be attached to not doing your duty. So the fruits, that is meant for Krishna. And we can take a little prashad. First we offer to Krishna. And then we take prashad. Just like after the program, I will take prashad. My wife will be cooking. So we work. We get something from Krishna as prashad. But we understand the actual fruit of my work is meant for Krishna. And it's not that I'm the only cause. I was successful in my activities because Krishna blessed me. Not that it's all about me. That I am so wonderful. I did this, I did... That is a materialist. I've done so many things. We will learn in chapter 16, the mentality of the demon. Here is my enemy, I have killed him. I have gotten so much wealth by my schemes, I will get even more wealth. So the demon always thinks, me, 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 I, I, I. The devotee thinks, yes, I was successful, because Krishna empowered me. Krishna blessed me. Here I am trying to do this class. I do the preparation work. But what I'm saying now, that I'm depending on Krishna to work through me. I read the text, but my comments, where is that coming from? I'm depending on Krishna. And if Krishna blesses me, then it will come out effective. And you will appreciate. Last Yesterday, I gave a class on Prabhupada's poem that he wrote on the Jaladuta when he arrived in Boston Harbor. And repeatedly in that prayer, Prabhupada said, I, I am helpless, my Lord. Only if you make me successful will I be successful. I'm powerless to do so on my own. Prabhupada understood this point. Whenever we would glorify Prabhupada, that you have done wonderful things, Prabhupada would always say, by the grace of Krishna, by, <laughs> by the grace of my spiritual master. He never said, I am so wonderful, I did this. That was not Prabhupada's mood. By Krishna's grace... By the blessings of my spiritual master. In that song, Prabhupada shows full surrender. My Lord, I am your puppet. 
Now make me dance, make me dance, make me dance as you like. And he also expressed, you make me a success or a failure as you like. So Prabhupada lived according to these verses of Bhagavad Gita. And never be attached to not doing your duty. If you don't do your duty, that's the mode of ignorance. When you're attached to the fruits of your work, that's the mode of passion. I will do this work only if I'm going to get the result. But the mode of goodness is, whether I get the result or I don't get the result, I must do my duty. We will learn that throughout Bhagavad Gita. What is the symptom of the mode of goodness? I do my duty because it must be done. There's no other cause. This is what I'm supposed to do. So parents, this is how you raise your children. Sometimes as parents, you have to chastise your children. Sometimes, unless they're perfect. I'm sure maybe your children are all perfect. But sometimes as parents, you have to speak strongly to the child. So you do that because it's your duty. I'll give you another example. Damodar Leela. When Krishna was naughty, when Krishna broke the butter pot, when Krishna was distributing the butter and yogurt to the monkeys, Yashoda didn't say, oh how cutie, cutie, cutie. Yashoda didn't do that. She brought out the stick. And she showed, no, I have to teach you the right thing. But she was not doing that out of vindictiveness. She was doing it because it was her duty. Because she was thinking, if I don't teach Krishna the right thing, he's going to grow up to be wrong. So we do things, the mode of goodness is, I do things because these are supposed to be done. Perform your duty equipoise, O Arjuna, abandoning all attachment to success or failure. Such equanimity is called yoga. So yes, all of us are yogis. Now, we're not doing the, oh and no, we're not doing the yoga postures. We are doing buddhi yoga. We are doing our actions According to what is prescribed in the Bhagavad Gita, we are depending on Krishna for the result, success or failure. And this way we are equipoised. That, Krishna says, is yoga. O Dhananjai, keep all abominable activities far distant by devotional service. So here Prabhupada the subject has been buddhi yoga, but here he puts in devotional service. As I said, he interchanges devotional service, karma yoga, buddhi yoga. He uses them as synonymous terms. So yes, you don't have to worry about sinful activities if you're always engaged in pious devotional activities. As we say in the sports world, best defense is a good offense. So if you're always acting properly, you don't have to worry about sinful reaction. You are protected. 
Because you're always acting properly. And in that consciousness, surrender unto the Lord. Those who want to enjoy the fruits of their work are misers. So like I said, first we give to Krishna, then we take prasad. The devotee does not eat. First they cook, but then the devotee offers to Krishna. That's like when you do your food for life, you offer, right? Yes. Then it becomes prasad. Then we take after it has been offered to Krishna. Otherwise, if we simply want to enjoy everything ourselves, Krishna considers us a miser. A man engaged in devotional service rids himself of both good and bad actions even in this life. Why? Because if we were to enjoy the good actions, we have to take birth again. But the devotee doesn't want to take birth again. The devotee wants to go to the kingdom of God. So the devotee renounces good and bad actions and their results. That's the devotee's uh, attitude. This is what Krishna says. Devotional service, you rid yourself of both good and bad. So there's nothing left to stay in this material world. You go to the kingdom of God. Therefore strive for yoga, which is the art of all work. By thus engaging in devotional service to the Lord, great sages or devotees free themselves from the results of work in the material world. In this way they become free from the cycle of birth and death. There it is. There's your liberation. Free from the cycle of birth and death. As long as I stay in this material world, I'm in that cycle. Say I go to the heavenly planets. I cannot stay there forever. Eventually, do, 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 come down back to Cologne or California. Nobody can stay. Indra cannot stay in heaven forever. The next Indra is waiting in line. The next Indra is whoever now is Bali Maharaj. This we learn from the Bhagavatam. Bali Maharaj is in the planet Sutala. And because Dev cheated him, then as a reward, Bali Maharaj becomes the next Indra. So... Living in these heavenly planets is a temporary vacation only. You're still in the cycle of birth and death. We will learn in chapter 8, from the highest material planet down to the lowest, all are places of misery with repeated birth and death. That's what it means to be in the material world. You're in that cycle, like a Ferris wheel. You start at the bottom, little by little by little, you reach the top, but then back down again. In Bengali, Brahmanda Brahmate Kono Bhagyavanji. Brahmate, Brahmanda Brahmate, rotating. 
devotee wants to become free from that ferris wheel of birth and death and attain the state beyond all miseries by going back to Godhead. Vaikuntha, Cologne, California is known as Kunta Loka, the place of anxiety. And now the whole world realizes with this coronavirus, we're living in a land, a world of anxiety. Who's not in anxiety right now on this planet? Who's not? Everybody is in anxiety. Welcome to Kunta Loka. But there is Vaikunta, the kingdom of God. That is the goal of one who practices Buddha Yoga. And when your intelligence has passed out of the dense forest of delusion, you shall become indifferent to all that has been heard and all that is to be heard. Yes, because anything in the material world will be of no interest to you. Because you are fixed on going back to Godhead, this newfangled thing in the material world, this thing, no, I'm not interested. I only have this desire to go back to Godhead. When your mind is no longer disturbed by the flowery language of the Vedas, and when it remains fixed in the trance of self-realization, then you will have attained the divine consciousness. So this is divine consciousness. Being fixed in this goal to go back to Godhead. Before we do questions and answers, I would like to sing the Nishringa prayers for your protection. And mine as well. Dedicated to all the devotees of the Cologne Gita group. And I'd like to do a special dedication to Sundar Parwani. Namaste Nara Singhaya. Namaste Nara Singhaya. Prakladak Lada Dayane. Hiranya Kashipur Vakshaha. Shiladangana Kalae. Itona Sringa, Paratona Sringa. Yato, Yato, Yamitato, Nursingha. Bahirna Sringa, Rudayena Sringa. Nursingham Adim, Sharanam, Prapadi. Nursingham Adim, Sharanam, Prapadi. Vakada Kamala Vare Nakam Adbuta Sringam Dalita Hiranyakashipu Tanu Bingam 
केशवीठ नर हरिप जय जगदीशा हरे जय जगदीशा हरे जय जगदीशा हरे जय जगदीश जय जगदीश जय जगदीशा हरे जय जगदीशा हरे जय जगदीशा हरे